0: Today on Blue 58, Aaron Jones is back, the Packers are looking into the void, and Aaron Rodgers is in the news. Again. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. happy to be with you here for another episode. We're going to take a small break from our position-by-position recap of the 2022 Packers because we've got some news to catch up on since we last spoke with each other. First and foremost, Aaron Jones is going to be back with the Packers for the 2023 season. We can stop at the hemming and hawing now because the Packers are going to have Jones back for next year, and that is ultimately pretty cool. If you're scoring at home, and I hope you are, this is two times I have now missed big on Jones, and I'm honestly pretty happy to do so because analyst John looks at the salary cap and is like, uh, okay, so I see the big numbers. I see what you got to do to keep him. I see that he's going to be 29, and it doesn't add up for me. But, but, perhaps more importantly, fan John wants to have Aaron Jones around. So I didn't think they'd resign him because of the reasons that we talked about, and I didn't think the contract made sense beyond this year. So those are the two areas where I was wrong. I didn't think they would give him the big contract to begin with, and I didn't think the contract made sense beyond this year. But. Wrong on both counts, and now he's going to be back for 2023. So that's a lot of fun, and I'm happy to have him around, and I, I'm excited to see where he goes from here. We'll get to where he goes from here in a second before we talk about the practical stuff. Practically speaking, putting the analyst hat back on here, first and foremost, it looks like we're going to be back in this same place again next year. His rework deal, which involves both a pay cut and a restructure, Drops his cap number for this year, but it's still up to more than $17 million for 2024. So about this time next year, we'll probably be talking about some version of this same thing either happening or the Packers moving on from Aaron Jones. I almost said Aaron Rodgers. No, that's a different problem the Packers have to solve. No, next year at this time, we'll probably be having some version of this conversation again. And that's okay, because that's kind of where the cap is in the NFL right now. It's a year-by-year sort of thing for your big deals. And that's where Aaron Jones is as far as um, what the Packers are going to be doing with him. And I wonder, just thinking out loud here, I haven't looked into this or how the cap machinations or things like that would work. I wonder if you can just, as long as you have the void years in a contract, however many has, keep moving stuff further into the future until ultimately you get to void your territory and then just accelerate everything all at once and just hope the cap is big enough at that point that you can absorb it. I think we are not through with this mechanism yet. I don't know if people have fully gamed out how this can work for you. And I just want to see what insane abuses there are for this rule out there. Because for every rule and strategy that people have, there are going to be people who push it beyond the limits of where it was intended to go. There are things that you should and shouldn't do with mechanisms like your you know, void years and stuff like that, but there are things that you can do that are probably outside what the rule is intended to do. And I'm interested in finding those loopholes. I want to see what they are just because I think it's interesting. So is that something the Packers could ultimately do? I don't know. That's a conversation for a different day. But the the first thing that we see here is that we're probably going to be having a similar conversation 12 months from now. And that, again, that is fine. Second big thing, though, is that the running back room could be pretty empty for 2024. Because you've got Jones' big cap hit. Potentially, again, have been wrong a bunch of times about Jones and his contract and what the Packers are going to do with it. But on top of that, A.J. Dillon is entering the last year of his contract this year. That's crazy to think about because it doesn't seem like he's been in the league that long. We're just starting to get to the point where he is, well... He is through the entirety of his rookie contract. Uh, Time flies. But uh, the Packers are going to have to either add talent this year or be prepared to add some more talent in a big way next year because it's hard to envision a situation. Again, caveats have been wrong a bunch of times about running backs and what the Packers are willing to do with their contracts. And uh, it, it could be that they try to bring both of them back in 2024, but that is going to be a significant cap expenditure. It may be that because of what the Packers have done with Jones here, they are end up losing both Jones and Dylan at the same time. And maybe they're fine with that if they see themselves going into some sort of rebuilding situation here with, with Jordan Love and they just want to wipe as much stuff off the board as they can and not have to re-sign guys like that. I don't know. Just looking to the future and seeing what sort of things could be out there. It looks like they are going to have to have a real conversation about that sort of thing in the fairly near future. So that's the practical stuff. What is the fun stuff? What is the fan stuff that you can look forward to? And even just, you know, as a football enjoyer, someone who wants to look at the most interesting stuff we can, I think this still is an exciting move, very exciting move. First and foremost, I think we're going to see more of the Jones and Dylan stuff in the backfield together. I, even though I don't think the results were overall that great in 2022, I'm still bullish on this backfield pairing, both individually and on the field together, because I think there could be... More meat on that bone. We kind of bemoaned the fact that the Packers weren't overly creative with their pony packages. And I think there are some good things that they can do. And we saw glimpses of it. There just wasn't as much like week-in, week-out innovation as I thought there were going to be. But there still could be. And I think a reason that we didn't see a lot of that stuff was because of the offensive line. Mid-season, I mean, it was week 10, week 11 before it really felt like the offensive line was settled. And by that point, or at that point, you really started to see A.J. Dillon take off. He had a much better second half of the season than the first half of the season. I think he had like, it was like in the final eight games, he had more, almost twice as many explosive plays as he did in the first nine games. I I would have to check my numbers on that, but he was doing much better, uh, Suffice it to say, he was much better in the second half than in the first half, and a lot of that was due to the offensive line. If you get AJ Dillon clicking, I think it makes Aaron Jones that much better, and I think there are more creative things that you can do out there with a more creative, with a more complete offense around that pairing, that maybe we just didn't get to see in 2022. So I am hopeful about that for 2023, and I think there is good reason to believe that it could be there. Secondly, we are to the point in Jones's career we're short of a Super Bowl. He doesn't really have anything to prove. So he enters into a key phase of his career where it's just like, let's see how high he can go in some of these numbers, in some of the all-time leader categories in Green Bay. We've talked about how he's probably not going to get much higher than third all-time in rushing yards. It is possible. It would take a pretty big effort. It would take probably three, maybe four more seasons for him to really threaten Jim Taylor and Amon Green. So that's probably out of reach. But scoring is a different story, and we haven't really pulled on this thread before, so let's do that here. Aaron Jones is currently fourth all-time in Packers history in rushing touchdowns with 43. Paul Horning has 50. Amon Green has 54. Not impossible to catch one or both of those even next year. Jim Taylor is first with 81, so that's probably not going to happen, but it wouldn't be that surprising to see Aaron Jones get to second all time in rushing touchdowns. Jones is also currently ninth all time in total touchdowns with 62 in his career. If he gets seven total touchdowns rushing and receiving next year, he will bump up Bump himself up to sixth all time, passing Donald Driver and Paul Horning, who both have 62 in their career, and Sterling Sharp, who has 66. So he would jump past all three of those guys. If he gets nine total touchdowns next year, he would tie Jordy Nelson for fourth all time in Packers history and pass Amon Green with 68 and if he gets to double digit touchdowns next year 10 touchdowns in 2023 that would put him in sole possession of fourth place in Packers history in touchdowns scored that's pretty cool now in terms of overall scoring just points scored most of the top 10 is dominated by kickers aaron jones with 10 touchdowns would get into that all-time top 10 scoring list that would include him with guys like devonte adams uh Don Hudson, Paul Horning is up there who did a lot of kicking in his career too. He would truly be, just from a a scoring perspective, and you can make a case that scoring is really the thing that matters most, he's going to be right there with some of the greatest names in Packers history. Certainly already a Packers Hall of Famer, but he would definitely lock it up if he got into those ultra, ultra high categories across the board. Even if he if he doesn't, even if he can't really gild his resume all that much more, like he can't get up past Jim Taylor and Amon Green, he's going to end up very, very high up in a bunch of different statistical categories, which is a pretty cool place to be too. Even if you're not necessarily the best at one thing, being really high up there in a bunch of things is pretty cool, too. And that's what we're looking at with Aaron Jones in his Packers career here, at least coming back for one more season. He's threatening some really important territory in Packers history. Less exciting comes the flip side of what you do when you clear space. When you clear space, you end up filling it up. And one of the things the Packers did this week to fill up some of that cap space cap space they, uh, they created by adjusting Aaron Jones' contract was let a bunch of contracts void. Seven players had their contracts void this week. Adrian Amos, Dean Lowry, Jaron Reed, Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, Mason Crosby, and Robert Tunyon. All of them now are technically free agents, and we'll circle back to exactly what happens next here in a second. First, I need to correct something that I've been saying incorrectly over the past few podcasts. Void years don't last forever. If, let's use Jaron Reed's contract for an example, if you sign a, what looks like a four-year deal that's actually a one-year deal with three void years tacked on, it really only helps you while the real quote-unquote years last. As soon as the non-void years are done, the voided money accelerates. So you add these void years on to spread out the cap hit over multiple years. As soon as the real years of the contract end, all of the void years accelerate onto your cap at once. So, to use Jaron Reed, we won't actually be carrying his cap hits for the next three years. It's all coming at once. That's just the way it works. In any case, like I said, now all these guys are free agents. That doesn't mean that they can't come back just because their contract's avoided. Robert Tunyon's deal voided last year, and he was re-signed. Devondre Campbell's contract voided as well, and he came back too. So, of this list of seven players, who could come back? Well, I think Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tunyon do make some sense because the Packers need tight end help in a big way. Right now, under contract as a result of the moves the Packers well, didn't make to restructure or extend or whatever, uh the Packers only have Josiah DeGuara technically under contract because Tyler Davis is going to be a restricted free agent and they haven't tendered him yet, so technically they only hold the rights to do that, so I suppose in a way he's, by a technicality, still under their control. But in terms of functionally being under contract, it's only Deguara. So if the Packers were looking for a fairly cheap way to get some tight end help, Lewis and Tunyon both make sense. I don't know what Tunyon's contract looks like this offseason. We previously mentioned being not entirely disagreeable to the idea of something like a two-year, maybe $7 million contract, maybe $7.5 million. It'd work out to about three and a half per year. Maybe you'd stick on a couple of void years and extend things out a little bit further. Uh, but those would be my first two picks. Other than that, in the right circumstances, I could see maybe Adrian Amos and Randall Cobb in that next, year, next tier. The Packers might be in the market in a situation where they need two safeties this offseason. Amos wasn't great in in 2022 and we'll talk about exactly why when we do our defensive backs recap. But at least if you bring him back, you have a known commodity and someone who is familiar with the defense that Joe Barry is running, who's been a leader in that secondary before. Maybe if you bring him back and get him a little bit more help next to him rather than Darnell Savage or Rudy Ford, he can be more like 2021 or maybe 2020 Adrian Amos than he was in 2022. I'm not super optimistic about that given his age and how his athleticism seems to have slipped a little bit. It's also possible that he could make more on the open market than he'd be interested in coming back to Green Bay for anyway. So you might just want to wait and see on that one and and see what's out there. If it turns out that you do need help at safety, maybe you see what Adrian Amos is up to in late May or June if he hasn't landed anywhere else yet. Randall Cobb, again, I could be convinced here, Brian Gutekunst has been pretty clear since 2021 that Randall Cobb wouldn't have been in his plans for wide receiver had it not been for Aaron Rodgers. And it's hard to think that really changes if Aaron Rodgers is out of the picture. So if Rodgers is gone, there's really no reason to bring Randall Cobb back at all, because Rodgers was the big reason that he was here in Green Bay to begin with. However, I think if if you were looking at him on a, a fairly cheap contract, I could be convinced to to keep Randall Cobb around, because the Packers need help at receiver. They need reliable guys at receiver, and even if Cobb is limited at this point in his career, he's probably a better option than just some mid-round rookie unless you're going to spend another high draft pick on a receiver. He's probably better right now in 2023 than than the alternative. He's probably better than Samori Touré even if you'd like to get Ture along a little bit further. If you're looking for instant return, Cobb is probably the better option in 2023, and he probably does some different things than Ture in 2023 anyway. I'm not super high on that either. He's clearly a tier below the other needs that the Packers would have. Unfortunately, I feel like I could also see the Packers talking themselves into one of Lowry or Reed. I hope that they don't, or if they do, I hope it's Reed, and I hope they play him in a situation that is commensurate with the contract that they gave him. Now, when we did our defensive line recap, we talked about Jaron Reed and his somewhat underwhelming 2022 season. But a big part of the reason that his, his season was underwhelming was he was just playing too much. He ended up playing something like 700 snaps, and he's out there getting exposed in, in run defense and not being a, a great down-in, down-out pass rusher. Because he's playing more than he should be. You signed him to a contract that says he's a rotational player and you're playing him like he's Kenny Clark Jr. If you're going to have him on the roster and you talk yourself into desperately needing defensive line help and you bring him back, at least play him in a way that makes sense. Don't overexpose him. Just because you desperately need defensive line help, do a better job of upgrading other parts of your defensive line and maybe you don't have to play him in a role that doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense for him. I hope they don't go that direction. I hope they try to upgrade on the defensive line, but stranger things have happened. Speaking of strange things, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers for a second. The strange thing, I think, as it pertains to Aaron Rodgers is how mad people seem to be about this whole darkness retreat thing. And it's Tuesday night as re- as I record this. It's possible he may be already out of the dark here. I don't know. If Aaron Rodgers wants to go spend four days in the dark, I say more power to him. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit weird, but you know what? A lot of people's free time activities are fairly weird. And what do we know about Aaron Rodgers? He's into some new agey sort of stuff. He's relatively unattached romantically in his personal life. And he's got a lot of money and it's the off season, so he's got a lot of free time. Add all those up, Sitting in the dark for four days doesn't sound all that bad. In fact, honestly, if I could make it work with my life, sitting in the dark for a few days doesn't sound all that bad either. It would be quiet. You could get some sleep, probably think about some things. And if that's what helps him, if that's what he thinks is going to help him figure out what he wants to do with his future, it's not hurting anybody. But it makes people mad. Oh boy, is it making people mad? And I have to think that's part of the what happened here with at least one of the reports that we've gotten about what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, or maybe more specifically, what's going on with the Packers as they wait for Aaron Rodgers to decide what he wants to do as far as playing football in 2023. Because we got two reports from guys who might know something about the Green Bay Packers. Late last week, we got some news via a podcast from Bob McGinn. And Tyler Dunn of Ty Dunn's Go Long project. I don't exactly know how to characterize that, but, you know, if you've been around the Packers internet, you know what we're talking about at this point. McGinn indicated that things might not be great in Green Bay. We'll talk about exactly what he said in a second. But then last Friday as well, we also heard from Milwaukee Journal Sentinel's Tom Silverstein a report that was similar, though not identical, but along the same lines. So let's take these two reports and do a little bit of parsing. I have not listened to the full interview from McGinn, but the money quotes are readily available all over the internet. So here's what McGinn said, quote, as of right now, I'm convinced based on my own instincts and knowing the NFL and knowing what happens after all these defeats and the discussions with someone who has firsthand knowledge of this organization of the Packers internal debates, that they are done with Rodgers. That's the way it is right now that he's not coming back. They're disgusted with him and they're done with him and they're moving on. This is going to involve money and a trade partner and all kinds of things, end quote. So, before we get into what that could mean, some caveats to this one. First, Bob McGinn has not been on the Packers beat in a long time. He may still have sources. It's worth remembering he has not been in the building reporting day by day on the Packers in a long time. Secondly, Bob McGinn does have some axes to to grind with the Packers since he departed the beat, and he has at times let his personal feelings get in the way of good analysis and good journalism. He was denied a press credential when he retired as a member of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, then started his own site, bobmcginfootball.com. The Packers said, no, you cannot be a credentialed reporter because we do not credential bloggers. There was a furor around that. The Packers held their line, and McGinn was not credentialed to cover the Packers. But he has brought up a bunch of things since then that have not necessarily reflected well on a guy who has enormous influence over Packers coverage. He is a certifiable legend. He has influenced this project in multiple ways, but he has had said some things that defy good judgment, I would say. A quick rundown. For instance, he has suggested that Mike McCarthy can't coach well because he's overweight. He has also suggested that Andrew Corliss had a bad year for the Packers one year because his young daughter died. That is a real thing that Bob McGinn wrote. You can't find it because he deleted it. It's not on the internet anymore. He also suggested that Ty Montgomery was not man enough, his words not mine, to play running back in the NFL. If that's the sort of person that you want to trust with breaking Packers news, okay. I think it's just important to have all the cards on the table as to who you're dealing with here. As to this actual report, it is important to note that based on his words, he does not seem to have actual sourced knowledge of what's going on here. Here is the actual sentence without his hedging included. Quote, as of right now, I'm convinced that they are done with Rodgers. Is presented as something that is coming from a sourced person, it actually is just McGinn's impression of the situation. If you dig a little bit deeper, this is not actually a source that is from the Packers, it's someone with knowledge of the Packers. Okay? Stick that in the back of your mind for a little bit later here. Later on in the report, I won't read you the quotes here, but he throws a bunch of other stuff in here too. He also, he believes this is a one-to-one situation as when the Packers dealt with Brett Favre in 2008. That is to say, if Aaron Rodgers came back, he would have to fight for his job back. The Packers would consider him the backup and he would have to win the job back from Jordan Love. That is a amazing claim to make. The Packers, he also asserts, we're so upset with how Aaron Rodgers has handled the last two offseasons that they are again now disgusted with Rodgers. This is the situation you find yourself in. The Packers are not blameless in that situation. If you want to get irritated with how Aaron Rodgers handles those those two offseasons, well, you've got the 2021 offseason after the 2020 season when he was not sure that he was going to ever play football again and was threatening to demand a trade from the Packers or um, you know walk away from football entirely. The Packers resolved that with him, but there was some animosity on both sides there. If you don't like how Rodgers handled that, that's fine, but there was also some stuff on the Packers side there too. The Packers also, he asserts, were not happy with how Rodgers was in terms of being physically in shape for the start of the season maybe they were, maybe they weren't. I don't see a whole lot of reason to be super concerned with the shape that he was in for this season. If he was in the best shape of his life, I'm not sure it would have made any difference. If you are just looking, it strikes me as the sort of thing that you, you're already mad at somebody. And it's the sort of thing that you say just to add on a little bit more to, you're finding things to be upset with at this point. So that's the McGinn report. Tom Silverstein writes this. Quote, at one point last year, Green Bay Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst told an NFL colleague he was convinced it was time for the, that the organization move on from quarterback Aaron Rodgers and see what Jordan Love had in him. Whether Gutekunst was frustrated over the team's mounting losses, realized that Rodgers wanted to start a new chapter of his life, or believed it was Love's time to take over, the team isn't clear, but the colleague was certain that Gutekunst had given a lot of thought to what the team would look like without Rodgers. End quote. Some thoughts here. There are a bunch of typos in this quote, and it's hilarious that the that PackersNews.com allowed it to appear online in this form. It was also updated from a previous version that was a little bit more wishy-washy. It was sourced in such a way that the source was saying, I got the impression from Gutekunst. The quote was updated or the line was updated to say that Gutekunst specifically told this source this is what he thought, which is more pointed. But like McGinn, it's not necessarily an internal source either. This is, it doesn't appear to be, at least, a Packers source. It's an NFL colleague of Gutekunst who Silverstein spoke to. All right, so we've got these two reports here, both that appear to be from non-Packers sources, but someone who has at least spoken to someone in the Packers organization or believes they have knowledge of the Packers organization, which, as you start qualifying it, you see where you might have a little less confidence in the reporting. Overall, though, this does dovetail or appears to dovetail with some of Adam Schefter's reporting earlier this offseason. He wrote this in late January, quote, an offseason trade of Aaron Rodgers remains an option for the Green Bay Packers for a variety of reasons, league sources told ESPN, Later on in the same piece, he writes this, League sources believe the franchise prefers to move on from Rodgers just as it once did with Brett Favre. Those sources also believe that Rodgers is well aware of the Packers' feelings on the situation, end quote. That sounds basically like the same reporting that you've got from Gutekunst and Silverstein here. So taking all those things together, what do we have here? A few possibilities. First, maybe nothing. As we've said a few times now, this all appears to be external sourcing. And all of these individuals are careful to say, these individuals, meaning McGinn, Silverstein and Schefter, they are all careful to say that this is coming from people with knowledge of the Packers or from league sources or whatever, if it was a Packers source, you can bet that they would say so. They would say a source within the Green Bay Packers says blank or a Packers source or a source within the Packers organization. It is telling that none of these stories say that. It's all someone with knowledge of the Packers or someone who spoke to Guttekunst or League sources, okay? It might be nothing because this is all coming from Silverstein, coming from McGinns, coming from Schefter. At best, third-hand information. They're getting it from someone who got it from someone else. However, second possibility here is that we might be experiencing a little bit of deja vu. And I mean deja vu in the sense that it appears in the first Matrix movie. One of my favorite movies. Before I had kids, before I was married, um, that was a recurring background noise movie for me. Because there are so many scenes that I like to just dip in in and out of. And there are scenes that you can walk away from and, and come back, just kind of dip in and out of paying attention. But want to say first third of that movie, there's a scene where Neo and Morpheus and Trinity and a few other people are walking through a building and Neo looks and sees a black cat walk past a a hallway. Then he looks back and he sees the same cat again. And he says, huh, deja vu. And everybody immediately is like, what did you say? He says, well, I saw the same cat twice. Seeing a deja vu in the matrix means that something is coming because the machines are, are changing something. When I see something that sounds or looks the same a few times from different people, it feels like that sort of feeling. It, it feels like it means something. It, it gets my attention. And I think that could be what's happening here. It could be that this is the same source talking to multiple people. It could be multiple people coming to the same conclusion through different reporting But we are getting a sense where we're getting the same story coming out of different people's mouths here. And if you just boil it down to what McGinn and Silverstein and Schefter are saying here, there are people who have talked to people with the Packers who believe that the the Packers are ready to move on. I think whether that's true or not, it seems that there are people who believe that and they are willing to talk to reporters out of it. Which leads me to the third possibility here, which may be related to the other two. We may have someone who is trying to say something through the media. And I wonder that because what is the common denominator in all of these stories? It's all about how the Packers feel about Aaron Rodgers. And I think you have to ask yourself, who benefits from that information or that angle being out there? there's a few possibilities. The Packers, if they really do want to move on, they've got to let teams know that Aaron Rodgers is available. And one way to do that is to let the media know. It could be that other teams want this out there because if there's even a hint of a possibility of the Packers being interested in moving Aaron Rodgers and they want to make it seem like there are multiple teams being interested, maybe you talk to Adam Schefter and have him say, hey, a bunch of people are talking about trading for Aaron Rodgers. And all of a sudden the Packers go, oh, shoot, we got to start looking at these options seriously because otherwise someone's going to not be interested and they're going to do something else like sign sign Derek Carr or get Jimmy Garoppolo or do something. we got to move our guy here. The third possibility is maybe Brian Gutekunst wants this out there because he wants to manage public perception in a way that allows him to maybe not win this situation but look a little bit better. Let's talk on that a little bit. At the facts-only level here, so no spin, no opinion, Gutekunst is looking at trading Aaron Rodgers, in theory, a year after giving him a monster contract extension. He is, at the very least, reversing course on Rodgers for at least the second time because he drafted Aaron Rodgers' potential replacement, then he signed Aaron Rodgers to an extension. Then he now apparently wants to move on from Rodgers. If we take this reporting at the most factual level, no opinions here. He seems to be changing his mind on Aaron Rodgers a lot, which taken to its logical conclusion, doesn't paint Brian Gutekunst in a particularly good light. That is, I think, a bad look for Gudekunst. However, if you spin it a little bit, you can make that look like an entirely different discussion. For instance, if you start using some phrases like, we're disgusted with Aaron Rodgers, or we just think he might want a life outside football. I mean, we want to sign him or we wanted him back, but it doesn't seem like that's what he wants anymore. And for the record, it's good that he wants a life outside football. Every football player should want a life outside football. Football shouldn't be the defining part of your existence. That is, putting a different spin of opinion on there. But if you were trying to massage the story about why you might be interested in trading Aaron Rodgers, saying, wow, I mean, does he really want to be here anyway? And he didn't even come into the season in good shape anyway. I mean, we signed him with all his money, and now he comes back. It's just disgusting. Look at these other guys who are out here busting their butts, trying to be the best they can. this guy, shoot, does he even want to come to OTAs? No one wants to come to OTAs. Anyway, you can get people to say, if you repeat those sort of things through the media often enough, well, of course they should trade him. Look at this drama-filled weirdo. Take whatever you can get for him. Trade him for a bag of footballs. Get this guy off my team. I'm not saying this is the case, but when you're dealing with anonymous sources, when you're dealing with this sort of story coming up again and again, you need to ask, Who wants you to hear this information? Who wants you to hear the story this way, and why? Because nobody, nobody in sports journalism, in political journalism, in local news coverage of school board meetings is giving you anonymous information purely out of the goodness of their heart. If they had the best and purest of intentions, they would just come out and say honestly what they feel. People who speak anonymously in this way to the media, are trying to get something. They're trying to do something. They're trying to accomplish something. And reporters know this. They don't care because it's the story that matters, and they shouldn't care about people's ends in something like football. The, 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 They're just the means here. And the means is how these journalists make their money. They shouldn't care about what somebody's motives are, because the job is to report the story. And if the story is that this anonymous source feels this way about Aaron Rodgers, that is a story worth covering. But as consumers of those stories, we've got to keep this kind of thing in mind. Somebody wants us to hear the information like this in this way. So I guess that is the bottom line for me. Whatever ultimately comes of this situation, we're going to be here covering it regardless. But the story right now is that this stuff is coming out in this way, and we've got to be cognizant of that. We've got to remember that someone is trying to get us to think a certain way. And to be smarter Packers fans, we've got to remember that that is a possibility. We've got to remember that someone has a motive in sharing this information anonymously. We may never know what that motive is, but just thinking about it and trying to be considerate about what that motive could be is very, very important. That's all I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think is going to enjoy it. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.